Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I love so, how we always like take two sips, like one for drinkability and tasteability, as if we can't comprehend both of them at the same time. <laughs> I don't know what you guys but I can't. So. I, I genuinely can't do that. Hey, is your name Sask? Because we love you a tune. It's the Bruce and Bruce. <laughs> <laughs> Did Drew just immediately true. lose his hosting what? privileges? Is that what, what happened there? <laughs> it's the Bruce and Bruce podcast. <laughs> a, the Hockey Podcast Network podcast presented by Bruins Diehard, sponsored by DraftKings, a drinkable podcast you can taste. Um, yeah, I'm Drew Johnson. I'm here with Cam Hasbrook, uh, Chris Gear, and well, Vesa Toscalita, aka Cat Silverman. Um, <laughs> I can't believe DraftKings is paying for this shit. My God. <laughs> <laughs> Um, sorry, yeah, use promo code that. THPN uh, wherever you go. Not even just DraftKings, just every website. Ever. <laughs> um, everywhere you go, just try it. We, I, maybe there's a plan that I'm not aware of. Well, we, we, there actually are a couple items on the docket that we uncharacteristically talked about in the group text like hours before recording. Uh, no usually way. it's during that we're like, hey, someone mentioned this. <laughs> um, but yeah, well, let's start with drinks where we usually start. Uh, and this is just going to be, uh, you know, uh, it, it's a Drew episode. So anyone can speak at any time. <laughs> uh, I guess I'll go first. I already teased ahead on Monday's episode that we also recorded like an hour ago. Uh, we're continuing the Downey Cider theme tonight. Uh, for anyone who is a diehard fan of this podcast, first of all, I'm sorry. Second of all, you sorry, may remember last you. week when I had a... Uh, a Down East winter cider. It was their winter edition. Um, and it was phenomenal. I was talking to my buddy at work who recommended it to me. And I realized that I, I shouted him out as my buddy at work and as the director, but I never gave him the name drop. So shout out my man, Ethan Crooker, who recommended the winter cider to me. Now I'm going to hopefully pay him back. Cause I immediately saw this one and texted him like, yo, we both got to try this. It is an apple cider donut style cider from Down East. I have not tried it yet, but I'm very excited to do so. So cheers. Cheers. And oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, 
I don't know how they do this, but every it, it's just oh, it's choice. It tastes like I just bit into an apple cider donut, and it evaporated or condensated into liquid in my mouth. Uh, it is all things apple, all things cider, and definitely all things donut. Liquid donut. It it is like a liquid donut. I feel like I'm being like tube fed donut in a right can. Now. Yeah, no, I mean. <laughs> Obviously, like an apple cider is already going to have like a similar vibe to it, but I, I don't know what it is that gives it the donut flavor, but it does taste like a donut. I'm not sure where the, again, where the line is drawn between apple cider and apple cider donut, but I, like, if you, if you gave that to me, I would tell you it tastes like a donut. Um, it's actually from donuts they found in the dumpster behind Dunks. Well, they liquefied them somehow and they did a great job. Uh, yeah, it's got a little bit of, a little bit of a cinnamony, cinnamony kick. Kind of like the the winter blend that I had, um, but it's it's definitely a, a very sweet cider. Cinnamon kick, cinnamon kick. Say that one ten times fast. Yeah, yeah. He's trying. Uh, anyway, drinkability. I just opened it. I'm already halfway through the can, so that's 37. Taste also <laughs> a 37. Uh, fuck, go get some of these some of these ciders if you can, and if you can't, then do it anyway. They, they are really good. I had them over at the yard in Portland where Cam and I... Actually, the first night I moved to Portland... Oh, you mean the yard? I went there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, they had them uh, all last month. I think I think they still do, actually. I think they re-upped, you know, because they're good dealers. I mean, uh, a good bar. Um, <laughs> I'm going to refer and... to the bars only my alcohol dealer from now on. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it's really good. And it really does taste like donut. It's kind of amazing. I, I don't know how they do it either. They blend donuts. No. Okay. It, you do have to shake it a little bit because it's a little. It's like fit, a. So maybe that's. It's a that's heavenly. It it's a heavenly donut. Uh, that's the holy donut, Drew. That's another place here in Portland. Shout out the holy donut. They do uh, main potato donuts. Choice stuff. Oh, I mean, like, whew, really fucking good. Dense, dense shit. Like, it's probably the only thing you eat that day. But if you are ever in. Portland, or I think there's one in either Saco or OOB. Uh, if you're ever in Maine, check out the Holy Donut. You will not be disappointed. So I'm not realizing that. I don't know what this beer is called. Uh, it's got this really like abstract Ooh. art on the front of it. I think it's MM. <laughs> well, Doesn't it's... it have a name down at the bottom? Okay, no, so what that's what I thought. Words? So it's a Modern Times beer in collaboration with the Vic Secret. Um, which I assume is like the male version of Victoria's Secret. Um, <laughs> what sort of Vicks, beer are you drinking? Tonight? Vicks Vapor Rub. See, he's just drinking Vicks Vapor Rub. Um, it's fine. I've, it's funny. I've had this on the podcast before, but I definitely didn't notice that it wasn't called anything. <laughs> um, it's an IPA, uh, and uh, I've been drinking it. Oh, that's great. That's a great review. Um, 7.1% alcohol. Um, it's an interesting flavor. It's not, um, it's not super bitter. It's got kind of a round taste to it, but it's not juicy. Um, and I wouldn't say it's like, it's hazy, but it's not like a deep haze, you know? Um, yeah. Interesting. Uh, like I, I'm, I'm about to, this is going to be weird, but like, you know, Everything the else has been so normal so far. Yeah. But, but you know what? Like, you know how you put like olive juice into a dirty martini? Yeah. Right. It's kind of got that flavor to it, but in a not bad way. 
I don't know. It doesn't taste like olives, but it has that kind of roundness to it. Like it rounds off the alcohol. Oh, I thought you meant it just sounds like round, bad. Like, no, I'm not gonna lie. Even though it's a like not bad way, it sounded bad. So it's like not a great the, yeah. beer. I don't. I don't love this beer. <laughs> we'll just we'll just say that. Um, the can was great though. It's got a great can. It's a, it's it a looks green, can be deceiving. Kim. It's a green can with some abstract art on it in the shape of M's. Um, or triangles, or, w's or, tri- or just triangles, like, who knows? or mountains. But I'm, I'm guessing because it's modern times, it's M's. Um, Probably. Yeah. So tasteability, there's not really a distinct flavor to it, other than the weird olive thing. <laughs> um, so t- tasteability, we'll we'll go with like a seven, um, and then drinkability. The weird olive things really get me, and it's also pretty bitter. So I'm gonna go with like a two. I can't get over this. Chris is me gross in beer like olives. Like it's just not. No, uh-uh. Chris, is this? Uh, is it safe to say this is the worst beer you've ever had on the podcast? I guess we can ask Lancey. I feel like we got to do like a the face he's making says yes. Yeah, I think so. That was a, that was a yes. Well, so the funny <laughs> thing is, like, <laughs> I'll drink pretty much anything, and this isn't like offensive to me. Like, I'll get through it, and it'll be totally fine. I'm not Drew with the white pumpkin ale or anything. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't generally buy beers that like I'm gonna hate. So, <laughs> I don't. Sense. I don't hate this. It's just not particularly good. I was gonna say we need to do like a Bruins and Bruins not top ten with like we all buy the white pumpkin ale and whatever the fucking Chris's dirty martini olive beer to, is and we, we have to finish a thirty rack. <laughs> Honestly, Vic Secret sounds like the type of place that would give you like a martini flavored. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think I think we should do a challenge and and we have to finish a thirty rack of like awful awful beer and we can't stop recording or live streaming until we finish. It. <laughs> yeah, nothing can go wrong there. I appreciate Cat and Dor- this no no what? <laughs> <laughs> no incorrect <sighs> well what are you what are you drinking there cat um so i once again was not prepared so i had to break into uh poor richie's beer stash um and so i took uh at with his permission obviously um the Superstition Session Meadery Blueberry Dreamboat. It's a hoppy milkshake session mead. Um, oh my God. Colin's going to lose it for that. <laughs> I need to send that to him right now. And it's so, so I drank one of these, what, like two nights ago while watching, I think while watching X Men First Class with Chris. That sounds um, right. And uh didn't need to be drinking at that point shouldn't have been drinking at that point drank it anyway um so you you coaxed me into drinking i know i know i I don't feel bad um it's kind of weird because it's described as having honey blueberries hops lactose and vanilla and you can you can kind of taste all of that um it's got like a i love when you can taste the lactose yeah you can (laughs) more the more the honey like it's I couldn't figure out what I was tasting when I first tried it because I was like, this is like a very, very strong uh, blueberry cider type drink. Uh, And that's just because there's so much like actual honey in this that it ends up tasting sweet like a cider. Um, But it's heavy like like an IPA. Um, And so it's it's a six percent. made in Prescott, Arizona, um, where I guess they got bored enough and mixed a bunch of shit together. Um, 
it it's all right i'm i feel kind of the same way about blueberries that that cam does um i'm not gonna call myself a blueberry a blueberry slut but you pretty much <laughs> just did <laughs> but you're beating around the blueberry um, slut bush but you're yeah, there anyway but it's not it's not the best blueberry beer i've had uh, beating around the blueberry bush here <laughs> that's 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 an I don't I don't know what I've entered into tonight. This is this is off the rails already. Um, what do you mean? Absolutely right. what you into here. Um, so for, for those who don't know, uh, mead is fermented uh, honey wine, basically. Yeah, um, I did not know that. Most most often consumed by like Viking pirates <laughs> 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 in like the fifth century. That's exactly what it tastes like. Like this is a, I don't know why this is what Richie picked up. It's got like a really cool can. Um, Probably he's just why. super into Vikings. That's all. I don't really understand. It looks like it has like a motorboat on it, but then it also somewhere has like some sort of weird demon creature too. I don't know. Um, this is a Colin beer for sure. There was, there was also like very notably a, a mango wheat beer in there, which is like my favorite type of beer, but it was much smaller and I felt like I needed more alcohol you guessed correctly i'm guessing the it was like so, a mango the mango cart it, it was yeah which he's he's been on a roll with that one for for the listeners it's a state 48 it's a local brewery here in arizona that um they do a pretty good good selection of fruit beers which is my thing um but Love yeah tasteability on this is a 37 um because this is extremely <laughs> extremely strong um the honey is like almost overpowering. Um, but as I learned two nights ago, the more I drink it, the more I can handle it. Like not on like a four loco. Um, <laughs> and the, the drinkability I would say right now is like a four, but like a four loco, I think it'll probably like ramp up to like a 20 by the end. <laughs> there you go. So, that's it. I, uh, I was digging through uh, CNN stories at work the other day and um, yeah one of them that they had was like some some reporter went to like a like defunct inventions museum blah 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 and for some reason they spent like almost a minute talking about the four locos that were in there and i was really confused because i was like there's no way that somehow i'm old enough now that like four locos don't exist um but i I think it was like you were old enough to drink the original four loco though which was I don't think Very I was. Different. Yeah, well, that, I mean, it was the know, it was the OG one that was like it. loaded with all the caffeine, and it was just like, hey, if you want to die, drink this, and you, we'll do it for you. <laughs> so, I think I turned twenty one around the time that they made it illegal, illegal to put <laughs> yeah. that much caffeine in an alcoholic beverage. It was right around my like my freshman or sophomore year of college where they essentially took all the caffeine out. But one of the one of the corner stores by my apartment still had some of the old ones left over and would sell it to you like they didn't care yeah um so so we got to experience quite a few of those and, <laughs> it's um, like oh it's so, like a red bull and vodka you'd also get diabetes out of it yeah, <laughs> so my, it's like my a friend eric uh decided that he hated what they did with poor loco <laughs> By saving and, his life. <laughs> so, yeah. Shouts to the FDA for uh, saving people's lives. <laughs> and he invented a drink called the fuck the FDA bomb, which is where you take a full new four loco and drop a five hour energy into oh, it. Oh, come and on. Chug it. <laughs> so 
my first thought was he should have called it the five loco and now you're dropping in the, the five hour energy and i feel like that was just such a layup that maybe it was too obvious he couldn't go with it yeah, yeah no usually you... once you've been drinking for loco like you can't come up with stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, that's true it it never made it over to Europe. So a Good. couple years ago, I was trying to explain it to to some of my friends <laughs> who live to overseas. For loco. Yes, uh, and so because a couple of our friends from the Czech Republic had brought like some bootleg liquor to to a goalie camp I went to, and the Finns were like, "This is the strongest stuff we've ever drank," and like we're from Finland. And so I was like, "You guys have clearly never had for loco," and then tried to find reviews of the original for loco. And the best one I found described it as if the guy wrote, it felt like I'd committed a crime against myself. <laughs> and and that kind of summed it up right there. So, so uh, endorsing my beer super well here. So recent two time guest on our other podcast, Bowlet, uh, Lauren Marcioni, uh, famously uh, couldn't handle two loco and uh, ruined her night. <laughs> <laughs> had had half a four loco and could not carry on. <laughs> uh, well, that, that tracks. <laughs> that's a great segue because I am drinking four loco tonight. No, um, <clears throat> I have a, uh, a a stowaway IPA and stowaway literally like I I took it as a stowaway. No, uh, from Baxter Brewing Company. It's a IPA, uh, six point nine percent. I think I've had this nice. in the past. But, like not on the two podcast. episodes in a row we've had a 6.9 percent drink and uh I've our drank guest it. has said nice oh hell yeah that's marissa <laughs> hey uh cat can you do me a favor if richie's within shouting distance can you just yell fuck to him all right that's he's all not right. even home <laughs> well it really backfired Cam. comparatively it, you know what you're closer than i am this Rams game is fucking embarrassing. That's all I'm saying. I got. I'm gonna go text him. Embar- it's fine. It's fucking embarrassing. Can't wait till um, Letterkenny comes back. But uh, yeah. So I made some weird purchases today. My first purchase, I went into a record store, um, and I'd been there before and was eyeing a poster um, for a while and then didn't get it. So I went in, like pretended to look at records, and then immediately went and bought the poster that I had already knew that I was going to purchase. Do you have a turntable? <laughs> uh yeah we have one here i have one at home and then julia has brought hers here so we use that um then i went to cvs where i brought i bought uh isopropyl and salsa uh those are the two items i got at cvs i I love a good isopropyl and salsa (laughs) should we Um, ask you what you use the isopropyl for or is that just (laughs) self-explanatory to clean my uh bowl um, yeah, that's what I think. <laughs> and wounds i will likely get along wounds the way. incurred <laughs> um and then i went to trader joe's where i got uh this beer that's how it's all tied in i Ooh. got uh tortilla chips i got the uh, trader joe's brand organic iced tea and roses and i walked out of the store with the or i walked up to the register with those items in it you know, it was just, it, I felt like, you know, it was just a recipe for a good night. Like, that's all I need. A six pack of beer, some roses, some iced tea and tortilla chips. And I'm ready to go. Sick, man. <laughs> Record two podcasts and let's go. Um, um, but anyway. Good beer choice, Drew. Drinkability. Thank you. Drinkability um, is a good choice out of a bad choice. No, um, I, I don't know. I'll go with like 17. It doesn't matter. Uh, uh, tasteability. 
Uh, I'll go with 17. It doesn't matter. All right. I love so, how we always like take two sips, like one for drinkability and tasteability, <laughs> as if we can't comprehend both of them at the same time. <laughs> I don't know what you guys, but I can't. So. I, I genuinely can't sometimes. I got a one-track uh, mind, and that's why why we're going right into goaltenders, because we have Kat here. Um, but no, this was something we wanted to talk about, uh, which was Swayman specifically, but also Altmark, because it seems the Bruins are going with Swayman more. Um, Swayman. Which is... Sway more. Feel the sway. S'more. I, I love myself a Lessness Olmark. Walk this way. Sway more. Jeremy Sway more and Lessness Olmark. <laughs> oh, sorry. I'm being a dream. All right. right before she signs off, Kat, what's your opinion on, <laughs> on the Bruins goaltending situation right now with the Bruins kind of leaning towards the hot hand in Swayman right now? Um. So I feel like they kind of have to right now. Um, there's going to be a point in the season where, thank you, NHL schedule makers, um, they're not going to be able to do that um, just because the schedule's like absolutely deranged for that team. Yeah, not, not to interrupt too heavily, but uh, we were recording both of these episodes on Monday. <laughs> the first episode of Mar- with Marissa's going to be released on Tuesday, and there will not be a single game played between then and when the next episode's released. <laughs> it's it's stupid. Um, I know that the the league has done that before, where they just like either severely front loaded or severely back loaded a team's schedule based on where other teams needed to go. And like, I feel like every year one particular team gets the short end of the straw. Um, And I guess it's the Bruins this year. Um, So now's the time that if they're, if they're going to try and ride the hot hand, especially with a young goaltender like Jeremy Swayman, who with no disrespect to, uh, to Linus Olmark, he's, he's going to turn 29 this year. He's not, he's not their young goalie. Um, He's, he's kind of their veteran presence at this point. Um, now's the time for them to play Jeremy Swayman multiple times in a row because they because they can. They have all this rest in the middle. Um, they can continue giving uh, Olmark a chance to kind of kind of shake off Buffalo, um, which was my biggest concern when they signed him was that there's kind of a curve for every goaltender as soon as they leave Buffalo, um, just because that's such a a putrid system to come from because there is no system. Um, a lot of goaltenders have gone to Buffalo and really struggled with consistency of, of defensive plays in front of them and of reads and of just overall decision-making because they don't get bailed out by their teammates night after night and they can't make mistakes. So they end up kind of overthinking things and we watch their, their games kind of tangibly decline. Um, and then it usually takes them a little bit to kind of see that game upswing again once they leave Buffalo. Um, so I'm okay with them giving Olmark a little bit of a chance to kind of find his feet. It's not like it's not like the Bruins have been in their most pristine form to start out the year. And there's not really a lot of rhythm that they can find when they're playing one game every 10 nights. Um, so I I don't mind them doing this right now i know some people are a little a little opinionated about it in either direction they think this means you know linus Olmark's garbage or they think it means that you know the team's going to ruin jeremy swayman and i think that if they were doing this in the middle of the season where they have you know 
15 games and 30 nights, then yeah, you're probably making the wrong call by playing Jeremy Swayman over and over. But now's a good time to do that. So you can instill those habits in him. Since he he kind of can't go down. They don't really have any reason to to send him down for an assignment. So you might as well give him his reps now at this point in the season. Yeah, so one of the things you were saying one of the last times we had you on um, that kind of struck me was a lot of people on Twitter were saying like, oh man, Lena Solmark, 917 save percentage with Buffalo, like on that insanely bad team, like just put him on a better team and he'll be so much better. But you were saying like, you can't necessarily just say, take this guy from this bad team, put him on a good team and he'll be better than he was. Right. It's, it can almost be kind of harder at that point because when a team's so overarchingly terrible like Buffalo, the goaltender can almost kind of disengage from what's going on. And if you go back and watch some of Buffalo's games from the last couple of years, you no, don't. No, I'm not going to do that. It. Yeah, it's, it's not fun. Um, I, I unfortunately did. Um, <laughs> and the biggest thing that kind of stood out for their goaltending was you don't see a whole lot of uh, communication between the goaltender and the defense in front of them. Because there kind of couldn't be at that point. I mean, their their defense was really struggling, not just with stopping plays from advancing into the offensive zone, but with communicating with each other. There wasn't a whole lot of cohesion. So the goaltender kind of almost created this insular bubble for themselves and just went at it and kind of turned their, their communication side off, which when you look at other teams, like that's one of the things that I think Boston has done remarkably well. With, uh, with Tuka Rask, I think they did a really good job with Yaroslav Polak. Um, their defense and their goaltending tend to work in tandem pretty effectively. And you're kind of taking this guy who hasn't had to communicate with the rest of his team as much in order to really get a read on what's going on around him. And you're putting him in a system where it's kind of, kind of reliant on that. I think the Bruins really rely on everybody being a well-oiled machine in terms of the passing chances in terms of the breakout strategy and and you're asking Olmark to to go from no system to a semi-structured system and I think there's there's a learning curve there um like I could be wrong he could just actually be be bad goaltending's weird um but I don't think that's the case um any other thoughts on goaltending, or do we just default to catch right? Because that, that's what I'm thinking. That's usually how it is. I, I do have a bit of a question, unless Chris is... A bit of a is, question or a total question? Can't go ahead. It is a the first time. mostly total question, but um, <laughs> based on what you were saying, I mean, it is, I guess it is kind of a bit of a question because there's so much in between here that there's a lot of gray area. Who knows what's going to happen? But I've heard some people saying, like, with the assumption that Ras is coming back at some point, give Swayman the reps now, and then whenever Ras inevitably does come back, you send Swayman down. Do you think that is still the plan, and and will alter from there based on how things are going? Like, is the assumption if Ras comes back, Swayman's got to be the one to go down? I mean, I you know obviously you can't send Olmark down because of his contract, but um, what do you do? I guess if let theoretically i guess swayman's still playing pretty well olmark is still struggling in this theoretical universe what do you do when ras comes back i mean let let drew pull up the actual question from our 
our Twitter questions. Oh, was that one of our Twitter? I actually yeah, didn't see that. Did you guys put out Twitter questions? What? Yeah, yeah. Well, they're they're coming up later. Um, but, oh no! I mean, first we got to talk about drafting. Feel we'll free to there. answer the. Feel free to answer the question though. Um. No, I. So for starters, I think if uh, if Linus Olmark is still struggling by the time Rask would presumably be looking to rejoin the team, uh, they're in trouble. Um, it shouldn't take Linus Olmark a full season to get things going. If you look at even even goaltenders on bad teams who struggle to adapt and who struggle to kind of find their feet um, with a new coach or a new goalie coach or whomever – Usually you kind of start to see that sweet spot where it really looks like their numbers, their numbers have leveled out right around January-ish, maybe early February, where you really just start to see some consistency. Um, So I don't think we'd reach a point where things are still looking very poor when, when Tukarask would potentially make his, his return to the team. And if it does, then the team has to kind of consider, okay, um, is this the guy that we really want to be a part of our heavily relied upon tandem for the next, what is it, four years that they have him signed for, something like that? So I think they, they're they a team that doesn't necessarily thrive with a main starter and then a backup that doesn't do anything. Um, the last time they did that, I think they gassed Tukarask by, like, March. Um, so, yeah, <laughs> oh. yeah they, they, they didn't do, do great things there. Um so I think we're probably going to see, probably starting in late December, where things start to really ramp up with the season. Um, I think we'll probably see more of a 50-50 split, and we'll probably see Mark find his groove. Um, and if they don't, they they have to kind of consider, do they just run with a three-goalie system, maybe not play him as much? Um, I guess they could potentially send Jeremy Swayman down, try and get Olmark some reps and if he can't figure it out maybe look at trading him to a team who needs a goaltender with experience but doesn't necessarily need a good goaltender with experience (laughs) um i I think the vancouver canucks are going to be looking for that sometime soon um but yeah i i'm not sure i think uh i think that's almost a non non non-factor considering that olmark would be still having trouble at that point but if he is i i don't see why not send swayman at least down for a little bit to to get some games in if they need to but in the playoffs most teams have three guys around anyway so i don't think it's necessarily something that they would need to worry about too too much yeah i guess the only thing i would add is um if olmark's still struggling that badly um you could probably send him down He'll clear He'd waivers. clear waivers, yeah. There's there's no way someone's going to be, for sure. be grabbing a $5 million goaltender for the next four years if, uh, I guess, th- the next three years following this. But, um, and, and to your point, Kat, if, if he is playing, like, well enough that someone's willing to trade for him, like, that's $5 million's not not a super uh, expensive contract for, for a team who's goaltender needy and that could be yeah, obviously you're not going to be trading Olmark to like a, a playoff contender or anything but you're probably going to be giving him along with some other sort of asset draft picks or whatever to a team that is kind of looking at like well it didn't work this year 
maybe we can figure this out like next year or the year after. But the Arizona Coyotes are really starving for draft picks. So I think they're also really starving for goaltenders. <laughs> they're starving for everything right now. Starving for rain. I, I think very intentionally starving for everything though. Yeah. So. Yeah. They're, they're not doing this by accident this year. Um, we'll get ready to copy and paste your answers for after the ad break where uh, Pat Laverty literally asked the same question that Cam did, basically. Uh, but Cam... I believe it's uh, still Pat's question. <laughs> uh, uh, I'm sure Pat doesn't mind. Actually, probably. It would have been much better coming here. But Cam, who are we sponsored by? The Bruins and Bruins podcast is sponsored by DraftKings. The NHL season is underway at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL has unbelievable offer to celebrate the greatest sport on ice. New customers can bet just $1 on any NHL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a goal. It doesn't matter if it's a one-time clapper or a deft deflection. However they light the lamp, you win. I love that line. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state, DraftKings won't leave you empty-handed. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN. Throw down $1 on any NHL game and win a 100 in free bets if either team scores a goal. This week, one puck in the net nets do a big win with promo code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum fire other deposit and $1 wage required. One per customer. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Send it back to some listener questions? Question mark? Wait, before yes. we get into that, shouts to our, our sweet friend, Patrick Laverty, who uh, wrote an article about uh, did did some like breaking down of the first round draft picks of mm. uh, Don Sweeney's Bruins versus some other teams in the league and just kind of proving that he and I share a brain where we're both always just trying to like fight against uh, these narratives yeah. <laughs> where I went out and wrote an article about how like uh, everybody who hates Tuka Rask, like who would you rather want? Like <laughs> who who do you want to be your goaltender instead? And just like finding other uh, other goaltenders who apparently could win the big game as opposed to Tuka. And uh, Pat's out here trying to figure out, uh, open up a really cool discussion on Twitter too. Like ha- has had uh, a lot of responses on that article, uh, trying to figure out ways where he could, kind of uh improve the the statistical analysis and i I think uh he did a pretty good job of breaking down like if you actually read the article he did a pretty good job of breaking down some different uh different methods of of evaluating draft picks based on games played specifically um and yeah it turns out i mean i i believe i i support a lot of uh a lot of his theses I think, uh, you know, Bruins pretty much fall somewhere in the middle. Um, And I don't think Don Sweeney's been particularly bad at drafting. Once he once he got past that that first year where he just like froze and decided to to go halfway down his draft board to pick everyone. um, Well, no, that was that also mentioned in the article. It was uh, it was really just the last pick where he took. Seneshin. That's true. Uh, it was taken what like twenty picks early, something like that. Zaboral was was consensus rated ahead of Tom, uh, Thomas Shabbat. Um, 
and DeBrusque was rated pretty highly as well. So it's not like it's just bad luck, <laughs> except for that third pick where he he reached a little bit and it didn't work. So you know it, it looks really bad if you have <laughs> three straight picks and none of them really turn into anything. But um, I mean. We're still finding out on Zaboral. He turns 25 soon. We'll figure it out. <laughs> I had pretty much the same thing about there. me. <laughs> <laughs> um, but speaking of Pat, if the trend continues and sways the clear number one, does he still get the pro- uh, get, go to Providence if and when Tuca comes back? Oh, I'm doing great here. Or do you think there's a chance the Bruins run three goalies until Tuca is ready? Thanks. I'll hang up and listen on Friday. And that's my favorite part of this question because he knew we he wouldn't knew. get to listener questions. He knew. Friday content. Uh, <laughs> Pat, sorry for stealing your thunder there. Yeah, <laughs> I actually didn't see that, but I guess apparently he and I also share a little bit of brain. So, cool. Of um, not knowing the answer to that. I, I don't know what. I feel like I've already forgotten my answer. Yeah, uh, we'll just you, I'll you already copy answered. and paste it. <laughs> yeah, in editing. I'll I'll just copy it. <laughs> just dropping it again, and, and it'll be <laughs> the cold open, so people will hear right it three over. times. Um, oh no! <laughs> anyway, so we'll move on from that. Thank you, Pat. But I think I hopefully we we covered that to your uh, your to your satisfaction. S- thank you. I was going to say specifications. And that I mean, I was I was saying how great. Pat and I have the same brain, but also Cam asking the same question. Prior to I think Pat that just listens to you guys very, very effectively, which is a little terrifying. <laughs> yeah, say just objectively too much. Yeah, appreciate it though, Pat. Um, next question comes from Matthew at Matthew eight four one nine four four zero five asks. We got a Matthew. Lots of numbers. <laughs> with the standings as close as they are, where do you see the Bruins being as the season progresses? And I think this is a little bit flashes back to our, at least for me, our conversations pre-season where we we're kind of doing our predictions. And I'm going to stick with the same. I think they could finish third in the uh, in the division, maybe even be a wild card team. And I think that's you know that's how they've been playing right now. Obviously, it's a long season, but. Um, I don't really see them winning the division or conference or anything. Um, I also don't see them missing the playoffs necessarily. I do have faith that this team can really pick it up. Uh, I think it's built well. Just got to play more than once a month in order to, you know, really get, get the gears going. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna say third in the division, uh, but wouldn't be surprised if it's a wild card. And yeah, I think that I could think, be consistent throughout the season too. I think the only thing that's changed for me on that is that – the Metro started out pretty hot. I don't know if the, it's like, I don't think the teams in the Metro are better than they, than we thought they were going to be. It's more like just a ton of loser points coming out of there. So you got a bunch of like 500 teams with a bunch of points. Um, and it's kind of hard to evaluate the Bruins against teams like that, where like, Oh, you got a bunch of loser points and then you got a team that's played four games. Um, so we, we can't sit here and be like, Oh, the, there's no way the Atlantic gets any wildcard teams, but um, I do think it, it might end up being pretty tight for, you know, playoff spots in the Atlantic. So, um, if you're not finishing third or fourth, you're probably out of the playoffs. Um, but yeah, I'm not, I'm not panicking. We talked to Marissa about it and she's not panicking yet. Um, she maybe, maybe be. a little bit about the Kraken, but <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say the Kraken 
delivered the Arizona Coyotes their only win of the season. <laughs> and it wasn't a 2-1 game. Delivered delivered is a great word for that. <laughs> yeah. Um, that was like a 6-4 game. But yeah, I'm, I'm not panicking about the Bruins yet. The, I, I feel like we've seen a couple of bad efforts from them. Um, but for the most part, it's been, you know, pretty good games. And I, I think depth scoring is, you know, for the 18th year in a row is going to be an issue, but it always kind of turns out as like either um, they're in contention for that last playoff spot or they're pretty, you know, securely in. And I think those are, those are going to be the two options. Yeah. I feel like the Bruins this year, more than maybe any other year for the last, I'd say, I don't know, five or so years look like they fit in the same category as the Pittsburgh Penguins where they have two elite players who at some point have to start aging um, and have some games where they look like they are, but are still very, very good. And Connor Clifton's only 25. (laughs) Christopher. Um, Is he like 27? I don't know. 25 might be right. Oh, yeah. I I took a gap year, and he was two years ahead of me. Uh, wait. I don't know math. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, I think they're, they're very solidly. He might be 30. Like, I have no idea. I don't I don't think he is, because I feel like he's much no, This is too I much am. analysis for an offhand joke. <laughs> oh, Connor, Connor Clifton. Let's go. It's a Connor Clifton episode now, and he is 26 in 201 days old. All right. Really? Well, not by the time this drops. Close enough. Yeah. <laughs> by the yeah, next two, by the next Bruins game, days. he'll be 27. <laughs> 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 hey, oh, we got jokes over here. All right, Kat, sorry. <laughs> Thank you. Um, no, I think they're they're no longer a team that I look at and think they've got a shot. Um, I think they're probably a playoff team, but it's not that they've looked bad at any point. They've just looked kind of like watching the Penguins for the last few years. They have some games where they just look tired. They look like they, they're they not as crisp as they had been even one or two years ago. Um, but that being said, I mean, I think Pierre Lebrun tweeted earlier today, or I guess when this comes out, tweeted four days ago, um, that uh, – thank you. Um, <laughs> uh, I think – he said that the Ottawa Senators are supposed to uh, miss like multiple games. Uh, they're getting their games postponed because of COVID. Um, and I think they have injuries too, but I believe it's almost like a COVID related postponement because they're down to something like nine players. Um, and I think when we all made our predictions, we had all kind of assumed that excluding like Tyler Bertuzzi um, and his Themself, uh, the league wouldn't have a huge issue with outbreaks, and we were wrong. Um, <laughs> so I think there's always a chance that uh, we'll see some teams kind of lose momentum in key ways based on schedules getting really fucked with as we move throughout the season. Um, so I think right now the Bruins look like a wild card team. I think if their schedule gets completely derailed more than it already is, uh, we could see them really struggle. I think if other teams in the Western Conference or in the Eastern Conference, sorry, end up with that kind of fucky schedule because of postponements or whatever, 
uh, they could be the lucky beneficiaries of that. And so we'll see, I guess. Yeah. Uh, I, I think everything I was going to say pretty much was said, but uh, they're playing like a wild card team right now. I think they probably in third in the division. That's all I got. Oh yeah. Next question uh, is from <clears throat> Matthew at Matthew eight, four, one, nine, four, four, zero, five. He asks, that's one number. Is this groundhog day? He asks, what is oatmeal? And the answer to that is Frosty the snowman's original name, because it is what? the best moment in Christmas movie history where they're trying to name Frosty and one kid goes, how about oatmeal? <laughs> all the kids go, oatmeal. And it is by far my favorite movie, and, uh, favorite moment in Christmas. Movie favorite. Just any movie history. I think that's like the best. Yeah, looking forward to that ballot episode. Well, yeah, we're going to go over Frosty. <laughs> That'll be the one that is stars on. So, yeah, I would love to have is on an episode of ballot. Um, uh, does anyone want to weigh in on oatmeal or are we? So here's the thing about oatmeal for me. Goes uh, really well with raisin and cookies. So one, I'm I'm just realizing like I don't know what oats are. I don't. I've never seen an oat plant. Like you ever seen an oat plant? Where do what? oats come from? What? What? I mean, I'm like I'm 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 aware of oats, but like yeah, where oats, do they come from? Oats come on a stalk. And yeah, they're little, I've never. Is that is it called things? is it called like an oat plant? They're only domesticated. They're not. I, I feel like everyone was looking at me like I'm crazy and now no one knows what they're talking about. So I feel justified here. <laughs> Cat's like uh, looking shit up on her phone. Um, yeah, no, I'm not crazy. Uh, oats, oats are a thing you feed to horses and shit. I was correct. I, oats are oats are oats. Like that's the name of the plant. Yeah, yeah it's an oat they're plant. Called, but like, have you? Like, I've never nobody seen calls it an oat plant. Yeah, yes, I've never, seen it. It looks never, like it looks almost like a really long, skinny corn stalk. Okay. Yeah, but he's asking, have we ever seen one? And I, I have yes. not seen one. No, I've, I've never seen one. I've driven um, past a farm before. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm from farm, farm towns, but I, I, like they mostly farm tobacco because, you know, <laughs> big, big, big <laughs> cash crops, baby. <laughs> oats is not exactly thriving in cash right now. Yeah, but, but so here's my thing on oatmeal, though. Um, I feel like I try it every few years and I'm just like, this sounds good. And it's got to be like uh, kind of a colder time of year where I like wake up in the morning. I'm like, I need like a warm breakfast that, you know, is a, just like a weird mush. Um, <laughs> and so I'll, Are you I'll, making I'll try your oats correctly. <laughs> I see you're going to have to instruct me on how to make oats I, <laughs> because I, I, I apparently say, I never made like, them correctly. I but, feel like our relationship's ending on air here. <laughs> Are you but I, I did recently uh, try it one more time. Um, I think for the first time in maybe like two or three years had oatmeal um, and it was like a banana oatmeal that had been sitting in our cupboard for like five plus years. And I was just like, you know what? Might as well give it a shot. And it was pretty good. I enjoyed it. So yeah. yeah, I like oatmeal. Might've unlocked I feel like the, uh, the secret. I don't, I don't have it much, but like I, I do enjoy it. And also that other thing that's like oatmeal, but a little different that I forget the name of. Um, no, the other one. I do like um, grits. Might have to look this up right now. It's like it's like a similar in in like substance to oatmeal. Usually not quite as sweet. 
No, not porridge. We're all in the same family here. Um, what's the <laughs> awkward thing to say? With sorry, I didn't mean it like that. I meant like with the with the oatmeal family. Uh, <laughs> We're all in the same family here. That's never been a problem to say on this podcast. <laughs> I apologize. All right, I'm gonna be googling things that are like oatmeal. Hold on. Uh, <laughs> all right, well, like, we wait oh, for that before this. We got plenty of time. Too long. No, we don't. I need to go to bed eventually. <laughs> the first thing that came up was brown rice, which is not at all not similar at all. to oatmeal. Sweet brown rice is the same thing as oatmeal, of course. Who's uh, been? Who's been a bigger disappointment this far? Hollow oh, cream of wheat. Dessert? Cream of wheat's pretty good. Are you 90? Yeah, <laughs> no, I'm just say saying. Like, okay, him, all right, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. In what world, in what world, <laughs> in what world is oatmeal not an old person food, but cream of wheat is? They're the same um, fucking thing. You put so, some little cinnamon sugar so in there and to, some raisins, and it's a good day. my runner card here, but oatmeal is like the perfect long run breakfast. drew i'm gonna need you to fucking right. this. <laughs> <laughs> fucking hell you know what i'll just i'll just leave here then whatever no <laughs> i i feel i feel weird now because i i eat oatmeal like almost every day so the big disappointment's been below, eric holla like, uh <laughs> Uh, who's so, been so a bigger you, disappointment this far hollow or no sick i know there's so plenty you, of time for them to uh, get going yet so here's the thing about Nozick is that he was like both he and Hollow are kind of brought in for the same thing as like an injection of offense in the bottom six. And in that sense, both of them have absolutely failed. Um, but Tomas Nozick has been like pretty good defensively. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas Eric Hollow has been an absolute fucking disaster defensively. Uh, was he so, billed as a defensive player? No. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say but, he's a good depth forward, but I feel like I've never watched him. So he's like, he's a, a power guy. play specialist who doesn't play on the power play, um, which okay. is a very so I'm a sorry very for bad signing. But what? Um, yeah, so I, I mean, Noshik was brought in to to be like a a fourth line center, and he's been doing that, and he's been playing really well defensively, which is like. He's he's been like an average defensive player in his career, but really what he's known for is playing offense. And I don't know, I'm uh, a little confused about that because you know maybe he'll turn it around and be a little bit of both on that fourth line, but also maybe he's kind of being dragged down by guys like Curtis Lazar and Trent Frederick, who are pretty much exclusively defensive forwards. Yeah, I. I... I agree. I think uh, Nosek's been, uh, well, less disappointing. I think Nosek's been better. Just, I've liked everything I've seen from Nosek. I, I've noticed him a lot. I think that fourth line, while they kind of struggled off the bat, I think, you know, they've done some switching around, but I, I, I like especially the uh, uh, combo there of uh, Kuhlman and Nosek. Uh, and, wait, they're playing on the same line, right? Yeah, it's, okay. it's been on and off. So it's been it's yeah since since Lazar came back, he's been either on the third line or the fourth line, um, and Coolman's kind of been in and out of the lineup on the fourth line. Okay, awesome. I thought so, but then I was like, wait a second. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think Nosek's been been great. Obviously, yeah, the, like you said, Chris, from the offensive standpoint, they've both disappointed, but. I think you're spot on. He's he's played a great all-around game. Uh, I think that fourth line has had uh, plenty of energy, which is something I haven't really seen from the third line uh, that, that Hall is on. So, um, yeah, I got to go with Hall as the more disappointing one. Yeah, I'm just going to restate what they said. So just RT, smash that RT button. 
All right. Um, so we'll go right into a question from, oh, by the way, that was from Bunch at Brady Fries in 13. Uh, this one is from um, DF Pendris, right? Yep. Pendris. Okay. Thank Shouts you. to them. That's a uh, long, long time yes. not listener, but uh, Ask Twitter question, question asker. <laughs> yes. DF Pendris at. DF Pendris, nice and easy, easier than Matthew. Eight, four, one. Um, anyway, uh, which bottom six player has done the most at this point uh, a month and a half into the season now that we've seen we've been able to see the Bruins play two games? Um, I, <laughs> nice. want, I want to say, I mean, Nosek's been good. Uh, I've liked Felino and I've liked Kuhlman. Um, and... Just name all of I'm going to have to, I, you know, Hollis, but decent. And you got Trent Frederick <laughs> and Anton Bleed. And then you got, uh, no, I, I'm going to say Coolman or Oscar Steen. Because <laughs> no, I'm going to say both. Um, I really yeah, like literally, literally mentioned You've named them. like six or seven people. I think, uh, yeah. <laughs> no, he he think, named nine. <laughs> but I think, uh, I think Coolman. I think Coolman out of all of the above uh, is has been my favorite i guess i would say um i think uh i mean we saw it in the last game not the last game i for it they play so not frequently enough for me to remember but coolman made that play where he set up the goal he picked off the pass set up the goal um and i think that was the epitome of his game i i was in a a conversation on twitter uh when that that goal happened and i was like yeah i think that's it, it summarizes his A game right there. His ability to A, clear puck, his teammate turns it over, and then he gets a turnover to save his ass, goes down, creates a scoring chance, and his teammates execute on that. I think that's him at his peak. Consistency is the thing I haven't seen from him uh, and, You know, in that regard of hitting his A game, but I, I think he's been the most impressive, and I think he has a role in the bottom six of, I think, most NHL teams, and I think this Bruins team this year for sure. Yeah, he's my guy as well, um, and I think consistency would come with more consistency being in the lineup. Or games. Um, yeah, a little bit of both. So it's got to be extra hard for him, like <laughs> playing once every seven weeks. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, we we had Coolman Hour uh, with Marissa on the last episode, so we don't really need to dive too deep into that. But yeah, he, he's my he's my bottom six guy. I think he's going to do it on both ends of the ice. Put him on the first line. Get David Pasternak out of there. <laughs> I say. Can, I've, I've can always I say said. that no one in the bottom six has made me happy this year? Is that, well, that it, well it's who's it? done the most, but that can be anything. That can no be one. like has taken the no most one has walks, done the most, no one has the drinks, the most beer, brought up the most trash. <laughs> so, so I've watched a few of the Nick games. Nick Felino's missed the most games, so he's done the most of that. Yeah. I feel like the only goal that I remember watching get scored this year was uh, Charlie McAvoy had like a real banger. Um, I think the night before Halloween. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, so I looked it up. I was like, I feel like the bottom six has been invisible this year. Like they've just done nothing. Um, just and I this was year? Right. Well, that's fair. That's very fair. Yeah, it's it's um, been the last, uh, the last like three 31 years, years of my life. The it. Bruins bottom six has been... Stop it. I believe at one point Brad Marchand was in the bottom six. Will you stop it? <laughs> for for like half of a season. For like half a season. Um, 
No, they, I don't know. Um, I feel like Craig Smith has done the most uh, to make me wonder why he's still on the team. Yeah, we should talk about that because um, I think he still has no points. Yeah, he has, he's a, he's listed when you look at hockey reference directly above the goalies um, because he has no points. He has a minus seven. I was thinking about that today. Um, so a couple of guys I was looking at to kind of see if the eye test matches the fancy stats, um, Charlie Coyle, Taylor Hall, um, Taylor Taylor Hall's been really good according to the fancy stats. Um, according to like full output, he's been fine. Um, Charlie Coyle hasn't been great defensively, but has been really good generating offense, which is kind of like maybe the opposite of what I was thinking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and Craig Smith has been bad all around. So I think if you're looking at things to address in the top six, um, and maybe help the bottom six um, by bumping Craig Smith down would be add a second line right winger. Um, and I know Court mentioned that on the episode that he hosted when Drew was too high to host. And <laughs> happens the best with Drew. <laughs> thought, he, <laughs> thought he made some real good points about that. <laughs> so I don't Thank listen you. to this podcast very often. And I, I only listen to it when I'm not on it. But and I uh like a few weeks too late got to that episode but i thought it was a really great episode <laughs> shouts shouts to drew being too high to host and court taking over i've it's still never been on it, it wasn't because i was irresponsible been pre-gamed it was because i had a thc drink on the podcast and which was very great i love that so, that's not irresponsible <laughs> I wasn't too fucked up beforehand. Like, I'm fucking up uh, during it. No, no, I wasn't too I was, drunk to come to work. I got too drunk at work. It's fine. <laughs> Don't worry about it. Uh, um, uh, is there anything else? I'm trying to r- riddle through these so I can... No, I just wanted to... I just wanted to... Because I feel like I... At some point when I was on this podcast... Uh, if you can very, call it that. Very cursed gently, uh, very gently defended Craig Smith at some point because I feel like I've been a Craig Smith like pseudo defender throughout his career. Um, I mean, it's really easy to look at that like, guy and be like that face. That we might need have to been that ass. Oh, Maybe I wasn't on the podcast. Maybe I just like texted Craig. <laughs> Maybe nice you were just Craig watching Smith. Craig Smith gifts and you're like, be oh, nice <laughs> I need to defend this guy. But yeah, like his his overall stat line looked bad. And so I looked and he's not doing well possession wise, which sometimes happens when you put someone in like a defensive forward role, but he's not, (laughs) he's making most of his starts in the offensive zone and he's still not managing to like generate any form of offense. And that's, that's concerning. Excuse me. That's concerning. So yeah, that's, yeah, I, I will say I it's been kind really, of one it's been really good for our uh, Craig Smith Photoshop business. Yeah, <laughs> where I don't have to make any Craig Smith. Photoshops. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you can yeah. make them anyway. You can send them to me. I'm just, fine with that. Just play <laughs> games played. Just every game. <laughs> games played going up. Also, Oscar Steen, if uh, if he were to play eighty two games, which he can't because he just started, but if 
he played the first two games of the season. He's on pace for 82 assists, which is impeccable. <laughs> pretty sick. Uh, um, that'd be pretty dope if somebody had 82 assists and no goals. No goals, <laughs> yeah. The ultimate teammate. The, the ultimate tribute Refuse to score. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, Upon this rock, I will build It's not just pass first. It's, it's only pass. Um, anyway, we got a question from Sean Rajot. At Sean underscore Rajot. This defense is clearly not working. Who would you bring in to help out? And this is going to open a whole can of worms of every player we'd want. Um, but let's... Uh, For which position? I'm sorry. I wasn't Defense. <laughs> um, so, like... I'm so sorry. No, no, Jacob's it's all good. Uh, I, are you kidding me? I'm posting. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. What was yeah. the question? Uh, this defense is clearly not working. Who would you bring in to help out? Yeah, but so I, I think I kind of disagree with the premise that the defense isn't working. I think it's – I don't disagree with the premise. I disagree with the idea that you can't form a good defensive core with the personnel available. I think Bruce Cassidy is – You just want to see Mike Riley on the top line. On the top no, pairing. I don't want Mike Riley on the top pairing. I want Matt Grizzlick where he belongs on the top pairing, and I don't want to see Derek fucking Forsbrand on the top pairing. I think – Either he belongs in the third pairing or not in the lineup at all, and you can put Jakob Zaborl, who has had really nice fancy stats to match the uh, good eye test that we've seen from him in the last couple of games. Um, I think he's deserved a better opportunity. Um, I, I mean, if you're going to address this in in the trade market, uh, fine. But I don't know if you have the assets to address both second line right winger and uh to bring in like actual tangible help uh, on the on the blue line yeah you sure as fuck don't have the cap space either so i, I think like get... the blue line's not the scariest looking thing when you watch the team no not at, at all. all i agree I feel like as you as you get further lack, in the season like it's uh, the lackluster offense not pushing things forward and then that puts the defense in kind of a losing position cap wise as you get further in the season that becomes less of an issue because it's uh based on like prorated salaries and, and whatnot so I, I think you can squeeze true, stuff yeah. you can squeeze stuff in later on um but yeah i mean the defense right now, i mean like right look. Now, if you're trying to fix the problem like you're not going to do it through the trade market yeah the defense, I think, is fine. Uh, last weekend, Charlie McAvoy was like, hey, we got the defense covered. I'm just going to play forward today. And he did that and scored two goals. So we need and more of that. they took away his assist, too. Oh, did they? Yeah. That's some shit. Um, just but, because one of the Montreal players banked it off of Charlie Coyle. Uh, they, yeah, but they were scared him. by Charlie. You know what? <laughs> I, I would like to appeal that one. So, um, um, By the way, we should mention, incredible game for Charlie's. Yeah, I mean, shout out to Charlie's. So there's no more Boston name than Charlie. Charlie. Oh, you get on the Charlie. The Charles River. Get on the Charlie train. Yep. Um, There's there's a lot of a lot of Charlies going on in Boston, and I I think they they deserve some credit. Gotta get your Charlie card. By the way, the only two Charlies in the NHL. 
Yeah, I yeah. wasn't expecting to be able to use uh, reuse rather my uh, my video of both Charlies at the Red Sox game politely clapping oh, when uh, Garrett great. Cole got booed off the mound. <laughs> um, but when they both pot two goals, <laughs> I was like, "Oh my god, I'm, I've got the perfect shit posting content for this," and and I rocked it. So, uh, shouts to me for that one. Thanks, me. I, I also love Kaylee's always Photoshop of the uh, Charlie McAvoy tweet. I hate the Bruins, but like. <laughs> pasting over the hate <laughs> yeah it's always good um, uh chris by the way your uh your greg jennings tweet was phenomenal thank you yeah. I, I had a few tweets that did like the, numbers. the the like bare minimum to be called good tweets <laughs> it was like people have different definitions 35 yeah. likes that's good for us yeah we'll take that um hey we've had we've had like thousand like tweets on our our account so we we need to hold ourselves to a higher standard we'll go to our uh second to last question which is from rob schlosser at i know at our schloss 33 piggybacking off the first question uh which sean asked too so i'm going back to sean's those two guys who were on the same episode oh yeah (laughs) i think they've become buddies i think they like hang out now um, <laughs> that'd be great he, uh, Rob <laughs> says uh, thoughts on Zaboro's play this weekend and if you think he, sh- he could factor into more moving forward I think we've touched on Zaboro but you think we're good there you think uh... I, th- I think I made my, my thoughts pretty clear I, th- I think you know if you're so I think Forsbrand's been fine but if you're looking to inject a little more offensive upside <laughs> Cat clearly doesn't listen to this podcast enough because not anymore now. She doesn't know that Derek Forsbrand is uh, Derek Forbort. Um, yeah, I, I think if you're looking for a little more offensive upside, then that's where you go. Because um, I, I do, I do really like. Uh, once again, passes the eye test. I, I do really like how calm Yago Zabora looks with the puck, especially in the offensive zone. I know he panics a little bit in the defensive zone and can and can create some turnovers for the other team. And that was one of his big issues last year is kind of just being the guy that you noticed caused the goal. And that's not really what you want to be. But I, I do think if he kind of hones in that that part of his game, um, that he could be a really effective player. And I think, you know, he, he turns 25 soon, I think. I think in February he turns 25. So we're kind of get, getting into the you know, you got to show it now um, point of his career, but yeah, I mean, I, I think I appreciate guys like that a lot more than I appreciate guys like Forbert and even Brandon Carlo. I will say it's like a, I agree with you. And it's like a really weird thing to say about a defenseman where it's like, Oh, if he just stops making those plays that directly lead to goals against our team, <laughs> then it'd be good. But it's true. Like he really, I feel like he does have a really well-rounded skill set. but also people I forget Zidane like, Chara used to be that. Guy yeah, too. exactly. I mean, he, I feel like 90, 98% of the time he's making the right play and he's making it pretty well. It's just those 2% are pretty costly. And I think that is a little bit of just a guy who hasn't had, full seasons in the NHL and you know what I mean? He's, he feels comfortable there in certain spots, but once in a while he gets them, they all fuck, 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 fuck. And you know, something happens there, but it's the name of the episode. Oh, fuck. <laughs> exactly. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, if you can smooth that out, with, which hopefully will, will come with a little bit more playtime, I, I do like his skill set and what he's brought to the table for the most part. So I, I, I do think he's somebody who's worth giving a, a bigger look in the next couple of weeks and stuff and see if he can get a little bit more comfortable in those spots. Yeah, I think Gazebo's good. I think uh, that's his nickname. <laughs> the Gazebo, is that going to be the new one? Gazebo. Oh, yep, there oh. we go. <laughs> the Gazebo. I was going to say name another word that has a, uh, a Z and a B right next to it, but that's not It gazebo. literally does not. Um, <laughs> anyway. Drew, aren't you a writer? <laughs> yeah, I write for the newspaper. Um, that, that's great for them. Um Anyway, they know I have a podcast. I don't think they've listened because I still work there. Um, but I think, uh, Same. Yeah, I think Zaboro's good. That, that's my analysis. I agree with what y'all said. We got one more there. True. Right. Un Moss, it's back to Sean Rougeau at Sean underscore Rougeau. Also, there's an interesting debate on the eye test versus actual analytics slash numbers for Olmark, which more, which more accurately reflects his play this season. Um, and we talked a lot of goalies, so I don't know if we have to go 100% back. But, um, yeah, that was interesting. And in reference to at least what I saw, some analytics pop out, some uh, uh, fancy stats on uh, Allmark, making him one of the worst goaltenders in the league right now based on those statistics. Goals saved above average, and he was, like, bottom 10. Yeah. So he was, like, bottom 5. I- for so starting goals, not yeah. not to push back on that too hard, but goals saved above average doesn't work super effectively until you've hit like 30 games. So it's fun looking at that at this point in the season, like largely for Carter Hutton and Philip Grubauer, um, because it's funny when you see like most guys are going to be within minus 11.4 for Philip Grubauer. <laughs> look at Carter Hutton. <laughs> it's like a minus 25 <laughs> and he played like three games you mean the guy that arizona signed to be their number one goaltender you be nice <laughs> um no i usually guys are going to be within a like a very close range until things start until we get like an adequate sample size there because most goaltenders, with the exclusion of those crazy outliers, aren't going to have consistently been bad enough to say this guy's really struggling or aren't going to have been consistently good enough to say this guy deserves the Vesna. And so, I mean, we've only seen Linus Olmark play, what, six games? That's, I don't think we can even look at the sample size for gold saved above average and consider it anything. Um, but that being said, I think his eye test and his, analytics kind of line up um (laughs) in that he's had some games where he looks like he has a lot of really good raw talent and then he makes some really weird choices like he's had a couple moments where I I couldn't really watch because it was kind of stressing me out watching him just completely go against what the defense was doing like they try and close in and block things off and he'd be like coming out of the net to try and stop the puck that they were very clearly going to clear for him and he'd just like leave this these weird open spots and I don't know I think he I think his eye test and his analytics line up right now but we're six games into his tenure with Boston so that says absolutely nothing 
Cat knows a lot more than I do, but that was pretty much going to be what I said as far as the like. Well, the numbers are nice, but also the Bruins have played three games and he's played half of those. So we've gotten about four periods of play. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So uh, while I would like to see a little more out of him, I also, you know, it's, it's, it's a small sample size. If it's still a conversation around in a few weeks, then revert to earlier discussions we had about what the Bruins should do, but um, give him a little bit of time. Things can change. All right. Well, I guess we'll wrap up the episode as we start it. Is your name Sass? Because we love you too. Live from Saskatoon, Saskatchewan.